I have been speaking to you about faith and the importance of faith in the Christian experience and how to start experiencing God moving in your life. The verse we've been working off of, it says in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Then I was reading recently from Mark. Now, we've paused a story in the Old Testament about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I haven't forgotten about that. We're still in the midst of building all this up. But I took you over to Mark, the 11th chapter, where it says, Jesus said, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, anyone who says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, the impossible. You want to see the impossible. Then he says, if you do not doubt it in your heart, but believe what you say will happen, it will be done for them. So if you want to see the impossible, you've got to believe it in your heart. That's where most Christians stop. That's where most Bible teachers stop. And we all struggle. Oh, yes, if I could just believe more in my heart. If I could just believe more in my heart. Oh, if I could just... And we struggle with this trying to believe. Because we know if we can believe in our heart, we can see the impossible. But we struggle with believing in our heart because we haven't finished the entire thing. Jesus kept talking. He said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever you're believing for, whatever miracle you want to see, believe that you... And look at the te- the, the tense have received it. He doesn't say believe you will receive it. He says believe you already have received it. And it will be yours. What is he talking about? He's talking about being able to see it in your head. To actually experience it. I have You picture it. You haven't actually have it. But in your mind, you can see it actually happening. In other words, what he's doing is you want to see the impossible? You've got to believe it in your heart. And if you want to believe it in your heart, you have got to get it in your head. Now, sometimes when I talk about this, people get overwhelmed. Oh, I can't do that. That's too complicated. I don't know what you're talking about. Hogwash. You all are experts at this. Everybody is good at this. It's just we do it from the negative side. It's called worry. Every time you worry, every time you're paranoid, every time you're concerned about something terrible, what do you do? You run it through your head. You can see it. Oh, I'm going to lose my job. It's going to be terrible. They're going to sell my kids. You know, I don't know. I'll get that much for them anyway. You know, it's going to be horrible. And they're going to drag us away. And oh, and you roll this. And you something that has never happened. You do this all the puking time. And you see this and it becomes so real in your head. It gets into your heart. And then you can't have faith for much of anything. Don't tell me you can't do this. You do it. All of us do it all the time. The problem is we do it from the wrong side. What Jesus is trying to get us to say is stop doing this from fear and start doing this in a concept of faith. You want to see a mountain move? you got to believe it here. You want to believe it here? You've got to think it here. Now, the Bible teaches that as you think, so you will be. It's often how many times the Bible connects what happens in the mind with what's in the heart and what's in the heart with one in the mind. Because the one affects the other. But not only does this teach us in the Bible, there's actually science today that backs this up in rather dramatic fashion. Ever since they started doing heart transplants some decades ago, really not all that long ago, uh, it has been documented. It is amazing what they see happens when someone gets to the heart of another person. They now believe there's a thing called cellular memory. There's actually memory in this organ that gets transferred to the person who receives the heart transplant. I was reading the story of Claire Sylvia. She uh, received a heart transplant from an 18-year-old male donor. She wrote a book about it called A Change of Heart. 
But she re- got this heart transplant from this young guy, 18-year-old guy who got killed in a motorcycle accident. Well, none of this information was known to Sylvia, who upon waking up claimed she had a new and intense craving for beer. <laughs> Obviously a Wisconsin boy. Uh, <laughs> craving for beer, for chicken nuggets, green peppers. And all the foods that she could not stand before. Now she craved it dearly. Only to discover this is exactly what this boy craved. Other documented cases have been perplexing. Some even extreme. There's the story I read here of a 47-year-old man who received a heart from a 17-year-old boy. And then suddenly the 47-year-old guy picks up an intense fondness for classical music. Something he was never interested in before. Only to discover later that the boy whose heart had been donated was killed in a drive-by shooting, still clutching his violin case in his hands. We read of the 47-year-old transplant patient who claimed that his heart was responsible for a sudden onset of eating disorders. All of us, he started having all this problem with eating disorders. Then they checked into it. It came from a 14-year-old girl who had struggled with eating disorders. One of the most stunning examples of cellular memory was found in this account of an 8-year-old girl who received the heart of a 10-year-old girl. But the 8-year-old girl, after surgery, was plagued with vivid nightmares about an attacker and a girl being murdered. It bothered her so much, she eventually was brought to psychiatrists. And after the psychiatrist examined her for some time, her nightmares proved to be so vivid and real that the psychiatrist believed them to be genuine memories, which they couldn't understand. As it turned out, the 10-year-old girl whose heart she had received had been murdered. And due to the recipient's violent recurring dreams, she was able to describe the events of that horrible encounter with such detail that the police were able to apprehend, arrest, and convict the killer. Other common quirks have been recorded. Attitude, temperament, vocabulary, patience levels, philosophies, changes in food and taste. They got all these books that are documenting these stories. I talked to somebody in the church here. His wife received a heart transplant. And it was amazing how they both noticed things that were different about her that weren't there before. There is memory in here. When the Bible says what goes here gets into here, it wasn't just some theological foo-foo words up here. They mean it. We can see it now based in science. Your heart literally has memory. It gets programmed by what's in here. Now, some of you struggle so much with this because of what you do here. And you never make the connection. Your life is always struggling. You're always having a difficult time. Things are negative. You roll negative thoughts around in your head. Constantly, constantly, constantly. Your head is full of caca. You are a caca head. (laughs) And then your heart's struggling. Oh, oh, what's what's wrong? I don't know what to do. I don't... You know, Paul talks about this in, uh, in Galatians. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because the flesh desires 
What is contrary to the spirit, the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. Anybody who's been a Christian for more than six weeks knows there is this struggle inside. You want to do good, but you struggle with the bad. You want to do good, but you struggle with the bad. What is the key to this? He explains it in Romans, the eighth chapter. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live according in accordance with the spirit have their minds. Everybody say minds. Have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What's your life like? Is your life surrounded by death? Does everything stink around you? Are you a cockhead? Constantly thinking. And then somebody, I know what you do. You come to church and you go, oh, I just, oh, I just struggle. And you sing songs. And then you go out and you struggle doing the wrong things over and over and over. And you come to church and oh, Lord, fix my heart, fix my heart. Oh. And then you go out and you do the same stupid things over and you keep coming to church struggling. And you're waiting for Pastor Mark to sprinkle, sprinkle, something. Sprinkle pixie dust over you and lay hands on you and pray for you and then it'll change and your heart will be free. When the reality, the reason you keep struggling here is because your head is always in a bad place. You are always rehearsing negative thoughts in your head and you do it continually. Most of you aren't even aware of it. Always thinking, ah, this dirty thing and my husband is a demon-possessed idiot. And I just... And my boss, I hate my boss. I hate this stupid job. That stupid bastard. He's such an idiot. And you're just constantly, you know, this happened. Some of you constantly rehearse things that have been bad, done bad to you 15, 20 years ago. You live it over and over and over again in your head, in your head, in your head. And then you struggle in life and you come, oh God, help my heart, help my heart. Trying to get to a miracle seems so far away from me, you can't even grasp it. It's not because of this. It starts here in your head. You've got to watch what you think. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Paul says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because what happens in here gets in here and affects what God does here. It starts here. That's why you guys got to be careful. What kind of movies do you look at? What kind of shows do you watch? What kind of video games do you play? What kind of books do you read? What kind of music do you listen to? I know some of you young people get mad at your parents. Ah, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. They don't want me to watch MTV. Why don't they want... Because it's all a bunch of caca. And it'll get into your head and fill you with negative stuff that will suck you down the toilet of life. Now you got to ask yourself, do you want to be successful in life or do you want to struggle in life? You've got to watch what happens here. You need to get positive thoughts in your head. And it's not that it's hard, it's just that it takes effort. Not much effort. It's like keeping a balloon in the air. You ever keep a balloon in the air? It's really not that hard. Boink. 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 Anybody can do it. Okay. But what's the natural tendency of the balloon? Always to fall. That's the natural tendency of your head. It's called the sin nature. It's that poison of original sin that we got from Adam. Without thinking about it, your head will go to a bad place. It'll happen automatically. 
It's not hard to think positive thoughts, but you've got to be intentional about it. You won't just automatically think thoughts of faith. You won't just automatically think thoughts of love, peace, kindness, forgiveness, grace. You have to do that intentionally. It's not hard, but you have to be intentional about it. But most of us are not intentional about our faith. Once we leave church, we go out there and live the world, and we just basically watch what we watch and think what we think. We think negative thoughts all the time, and it drags us right back down, and we struggle in life. The Bible says, think whatever's true. We think the things that are negative. Whatever's not noble, whatever's wrong, things that are impure. What's not lovely, things that are not admirable. Most of us would be mortified if people could see what we're thinking. <laughs> you know, it's true. Oh, Lord, I hope nobody can think what I, see what I'm thinking. But don't forget, this stuff gets programmed into here. This will become part of you. Somebody inherits your heart in the next year. What are they going to be like? Are they going to f- be peaceful people? People who just all of a sudden they love God, they want to go to church and listen to me? <laughs> or are they going to be people who are full of paranoia and anger and bitterness and mad and rah, hate your husband? Rah. Say, but I believe in Jesus. Well, the devil believes in Jesus. It's not helping him. It takes more than just believing people. It means active faith. See, the great news about Christianity is God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. But that's not the whole message of Christianity. It's not about God doing everything for you. He does for you what you cannot do for yourself, but he expects you to do the things you can do. He will not do what you can do, which is to fix this. That's why the Bible overwhelmingly, over and over again, says you've got to put this in the right place or your faith will struggle. God still loves you. It's not about God not loving you, but you want your life to stink? That's what happens. Look at the Old Testament. Psalms 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, this person's delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God, and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, when the Bible talks about meditating, it's not talking about being in a lotus position going, clearing your head. It's talking about thinking about God's thoughts, God's word. You read the Bible and then you think about what you have read. It is life-changing. It is empowering. But the reality is, and don't raise your hands because I know most of you will be guilty, but most people don't even read the Bible. I mean, let's not fool ourselves. You hear me talk about the Bible. We hear other people on TV talk about the Bible. We read books of people who talk about what's in the Bible. But very few Christians today actually read it. You've got to read it. You've got to get these thoughts in the ear. We can do every version of Christianity we can to try and help you, but you're not going to get to a place of faith where God will change things in your life if you don't get this right, which you can't get right until you get this right. You need to read it. You need to put it in your head. Well, why? Why would I do that? Why would I read the Bible? You know, I have it in my house. That keeps demons away just that right there. No, it doesn't. Demon's probably sitting on your Bible at home right now. <laughs> you got to read it. It does no good to have one. You can sleep on it. It doesn't do you any good. You can have it in your car. It does you no good. It is not a good luck charm. You know, some of you watch too many, you know, vampire movies or something. You know, get a Bible. <laughs> you know. 
The devil looks at the Bible and says, hey man, I know that pretty good. He'll flip it open and read it to you. It's not a good, it doesn't do anything if you don't read it. You have to read it. Let me encourage you to read it. Don't start with the Old Testament. Good Lord, that'll put you in a coma. (laughs) Unless you have insomnia. You got insomnia, read Leviticus tonight. That'll help you get right to sleep. Start with the New Testament. It's not that hard. Read the words of Jesus, the stories of Jesus. This is powerful stuff. It will get into here. It will start to change here and affect your life. Why would you meditate on God's word? He says in verse 3, Because the person that does this will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which will yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. And this is the kicker. Whatever they do prospers. Would you not love to have that hung around your neck? That whatever you do succeeds. Is that your life? Or are you one of these people that most everything you do, you struggle? Almost everything you try and it fails over and over again. The Bible literally promises that if you will take God's word, meditate, let this become part of your life. It will change you to the point that whatever you do succeeds. But I know a lot of people, you see people who are like this, who smile all the time and they're happy Christians and everything goes well for them and their marriages are great and they have great incomes and everything. And we think, oh, they're just lucky. No, they're not just lucky. These are people who are intentional about their faith. And when you get intentional about your faith, you get to the point that whatever you do seems to succeed. It's in the Bible. That's why we do these things. Psalm 119, he asked the question, how can a young man stay pure? I was just reading an article on CNN this morning. You know, young people today turning away from Christianity. Uh, how can they stay pure in all the sexual temptations? How? The Bible. He asked the question. How do you do it? This is how. By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you do that? You have to read it. You have to read it and put it in through here so it gets in here and you hide it in here. It won't happen any other way. I wish I had holy pixie dust I could sprinkle you with. But we're talking about faith. We're talking about how to get to miracles. We're talking about this thing of the heart. But we always forget to start back here. What is happening here? Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. What is he talking about? He says, man, I've got this word. I can just ramble it off my lips. He's talking about memorizing portions of the Bible. When was the last time you memorized a scripture in the Bible? Have you ever memorized a scripture? Some of you can. Some of you can rattle off all kinds of scriptures. And there's a lot of you who can't quote any of them. And you can pretty much put you in the category of people who succeed in life and your life sucks. It's true. The ones who can quote scriptures are the ones who are blessed. The ones who can't, have never done it. Everything is... Oh, bother. Oh, bother. Everything's so hard. Don't you want to be a Christian and be just like me? (laughs) (laughs) you think the people who are blessed oh they're just lucky God likes them better than you no it starts just with this thought alone the people who put enough of God in their lives where they can actually quote some Bible verses 
other people who tend to succeed in life versus those Christians who struggle and they struggle and they struggle and they struggle. And this battle that Paul talks about between the flesh and the spirit, they're always on the losing end, always on the losing end. Always, You have a good heart. You want to do the right things. You cry, you pray. Some of you spend 90% of your time asking God to forgive you for what you did the other 10. And this is your weekly experience. <laughs> Forgive me for the way I talk to my husband. Forgive me what I do with my wife. Forgive me what I did with my kids and my job. And oh, I shouldn't have screamed at that guy. And I shouldn't have cursed at this guy. And, was, and you're constantly on the losing head. And you wonder why. I'm telling you, it all starts with one thing. What are you doing here? You don't have to memorize huge portions, but it's special verses. Think about something enough. Maybe you can't quote a verbatim, but enough that you can still, in essence, I'd encourage you to get to where you can quote a verbatim. One of the best exercises you can do, I'm telling you, what has pulled me through life overwhelmingly, despite my struggles and mess-ups in my life, has been the fact that I have hidden God's word in my heart, and it changes me. When I'm going through a hard time, all of a sudden verses pop into my head. Magically, no, because I memorized them. One time as a young man, I memorized an entire book of the Bible, the book of James. I could quote it verbatim, nonstop, word one to the end, and not make a single mistake. I can't do it now. It's been about 35 years, but I can still remember a lot of what's in it. It's amazing how many times in my life these thoughts came back to me, boom, because I hid them in my heart. You've got to get this stuff in you. It won't happen automatically. God has been able to bless my life because I try to get this as right as I can. And the times I struggle in my life is when this goes wrong. God has blessed me. I'm telling you, I am the most unqualified person in the world to do what I'm doing today. You can't get more unqualified than me. I'm not exaggerating. I travel all over the world speaking about stuff. People call me an expert. Mark Gunger, expert about this, that, and the other. No, I'm just from Wisconsin. (laughs) But God blesses my life because you get in this place that whatever you do tends to succeed. Even in the midst of trials and struggles and tribulations. Last verse, Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter. He says, fix these words of mine on your heart and your minds. Again, heart and mind, heart and mind, heart and mind. The one affects the other. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Why? So you'll keep thinking about them. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit down at home. When you walk along the road. When you lie down, talk about them. When you get up, talk about them. Why? Because it keeps it in your head. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Why? So you can see them and keep it in your head. Because if you will think the thoughts of God, it will change your life. So that your days and the days of your children may be many. It's another way of saying whatever you do will prosper. Now some of you, in all fairness, you can't do this. You have tried. You have tried and you can't break the thought patterns. You are as locked up in your thought patterns as the worst criminal in the world is in prison. Despite your best intentions, you can't seem to break out of it. 
Now the good news is most of you who are in that condition, it's not your fault. You're there because some of you have been abused as children. You've gone through traumatic things in your life. You've been abandoned by those who said they would love you forever and then turn their backs on you. You are in a bad place in your head. And you know what I'm talking about. You live the same fears, the same torments, the same memories over and over and over again. And while some of you are being encouraged by what I'm saying this morning, some of you, you're just sinking another inch or two lower in your chairs because you know you are stuck in your heads. Let us help you. We have a great program in Celebration Church called Life Skills that is designed to just help you break the negative patterns in your head. It's not of an overtly spiritual program. Some people have criticized us in this church for having the program because it's not very scriptural and we don't quote many verses. But it's not intended to be a Bible program. It's intended to help you think clearly. Once you start thinking clearly, then we can get you into the Bible and do everything else that can change your life. Where you can think it, get it in your heart, and experience it out here. If you are trapped in negative thought patterns, whatever they might be in your life, would you please call the church, check at the information counter, find out about this program. It is a great program that will help to break through those walls in your head. And you'll start to be able to be free. And once you can start controlling what's in your head, now you can start doing what I'm talking about. Now, if you're not locked in your head with horrible things, then just start doing what I'm telling you. It will bless your life. But if you're stuck there, let us help you. Some of you are so stuck in arrested development, you you are stuck in that same place. Some of you might be in your 60s, but you're still in the same place than when you were traumatized when you were 22. We can help you. Let us help you. It's a wonderful thing about being in a church family. You don't have to do life all by yourself. But we can help you if you don't ask for the help. Let us do that for you. And if you're not, hopefully not, in a place like that, then let me encourage you, rebuke you, and challenge you. Watch what you do here. Because if you want to see a miracle, you've got to believe it in your heart. And you can't do that if, it, if you can't see it here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that you love us and you care for us. Lord, you did for us on the cross what we could not do for ourselves. And you don't expect us to do what we cannot do for ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We cannot redeem ourselves. Only you can do that. We can't get our own forgiveness. Only you can do that. You have done what we cannot do. But on the other hand, Lord, you will not do for us what we're supposed to do for ourselves. And when it comes to this thing about what happens in our heads, your scriptures tell us over and over again, we need to take responsibility for that. Help us to be intentional, to guard our minds, and in doing so, guard our hearts. Help us to think thoughts of faith that will strengthen our hearts so that we can start to walk in a place of faith where you can do great things in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.